Jenny and I were in an 18-wheeler with Trucker Dan. Dan was not a fan. Oh, he liked Jenny, all right. With her tight jeans and half-button shirt, her charm. You know, oh, shucks, aren't you just a sweetheart for giving us a ride? But Trucker Dan was not a fan of me. No, not so much. And I know why, right? I can see it from Dan's perspective. He stopped to pick up a young woman in distress. Then I appeared out from hiding, wearing handcuffs and looking like I'd been in a fight with a lawnmower. I couldn't do much about the cuts and bruises on my face, but Jenny got me out of the cuffs. She asked Dan for a ballpoint pen. Dan handed her one from his left breast pocket. She took it apart, flattened the ink tube, then shoved it down the locking mechanism on the cuffs, creating a shim. Then she pulled on the cuffs and they reversed right open. It was so easy. I was floored for about 10 seconds. Then, while I was rubbing my wrists, Dan noticed the red and blue flashing lights behind it. It was the fuzz. Smoky. Oh, fantastic. Trucker Dan is being pulled over. This here is Kill Switch record number nine. It's known as One Million. And I don't reckon I know why I'm talking like this. I guess it's the music? Or maybe because this is what Trucker Dan sounds like? Anyway, after Dan sees the cop, he says, Well, what in tarnation? I ain't been pulled over in three years. See what I'm saying about the way he sounds? Jenny looked at me and then started to speak, but Dan cut her off. He said, Get to bed in my sleeper. Draw the curtain. Cover yourself with my pillows and blankets. I'll get rid of the cop. We hadn't told Dan anything about our predicament, so I don't know why he was making us hide. But Jenny smiled and kissed Dan on the cheek. Dan grinned sheepishly. He said, Don't worry, I got this. We did as Dan said. A few minutes later, we were covered in smelly blankets and pillows. Jenny lying side by side with me. We held hands. I'm not going to lie. It was tense. It felt like one of those movies where they're smuggling someone across the border or something. The cop asked Dan to step down from the cab. We couldn't hear their conversation well, but we could peek out the darkened sleeper window. The cop was young, barely more than a kid. We could hear bits and pieces of their conversation. They laughed a couple times. Kid cop was saying the usual stuff like, Have you seen these two? They stole something, something dangerous. Matter of national security. Call me if you got anything to report. It took 20 tense minutes, but then we were on the road again. Jenny was showering Dan with praise, treating him as a hero. Dan was loving it. I was about to be sick. Because five miles later... We entered the Million Dollar Highway, part of Dan's shortcut to Salt Lake City, where he was hauling some sort of urgent cargo, which he would not divulge. Ever been on the Million Dollar Highway, a.k.a. the most fucked up road in America? Oh, you'd remember if you had. I couldn't even look at the road, if you could even call it a road. It was like a parable for how my life was going. Sheer cliff on the right, going straight up. Sheer cliff on the left, going straight down. Windy with blind curves and rock slides and not a guardrail in sight. Jenny was like, oh, this is so awesome. The woman is nuts, I'm telling you. I mean, one side of the painted white line was the road. The other side of the line, where you usually have the shoulder, was a thousand foot drop. I wouldn't even want to rock down this road, and we were in a big rig. How had all this happened? 
Late last week, it had begun so well. For the first, what, hour? I'd stolen the data I wanted and gotten away, but I got sidetracked after leaping from a perfectly good moving car, losing my backpack in the back of a U-Haul, diverting to Birmingham where I recovered my backpack and first met Jenny. Days ago, Jenny appeared out of nowhere behind me in line for a burrito across from my motel. Then, she was on the bus I was on, saying she was going to visit a boyfriend that she now suddenly no longer cared about. She was techie enough to jailbreak her own phone, to run a specialized app, Oh, and she knew how to break out of handcuffs. Jenny was now emphasizing Alan every time she spoke to me. Alan, look at that view. Alan, isn't Dan a sweetheart? Alan! Look, I told her my name was Alan, but she had called me by my real name, Sean. She wasn't supposed to know my real name. So, how did she? I looked toward the front of the cab where Jenny sat with Dan. She was enamored with the view, and so was Dan. Several times, Jenny leaned across Dan, trying to get a look at the mountains on the driver's side, or a rock slide, or a car full of people that died when they went over the edge. She kept doing it, leaning across him. Look at the waterfall. Or, oh, wow, I just saw a car wrecked on the valley floor. Dan kept sneaking peeks. Not at the mountain peaks, but down Jenny's sagging shirt. It was going to get us killed. Dan was going to be looking down her shirt, and driving off a cliff. That's what I thought, but Trucker Dan just kept on trucking along. Apparently plenty experience in the art of driving while peeping. While Dan was peeping, I was sleeping. I woke up about the time we stopped at a Blue Jays truck stop in Grand Junction, Colorado. Jenny and Dan were speaking in hushed whispers, probably so they wouldn't wake me. The law said Dan could drive 11 of every 14 hours. He was sitting at 10 while pushing to get to Salt Lake before noon tomorrow. He said he had to take a mandatory break. Jenny said, Hey, the sign says I have showers. Dan said, Yep, members only. But if you want one, you can take my Blue Jays member card and get in. Jenny said, Do you mind? Dan said, Not at all. He handed her his member card and told her where to go to get a clean towel. She went to get her bag from the truck, then came back, gave him a kiss on the cheek again, smiled at me, and walked away. Jenny was just out of earshot, when Dan turned to me and said, Hand over that computer weapon. I said, What? The CIA computer weapon you stole, I want it. I chuckled and said, Sorry man, you got the wrong guy. Dan reached into his pocket and pulled out his phone and showed me a picture of me. He flicked the screen, showing me a picture of Jenny. He flicked it again and there was a picture of Jenny and I together on the bus. A passenger must have taken it. Highway patrol back there, airdropped me these. I showed them to Jenny. These pictures are all over the news. Cop who stopped me also said a patrolman in New Mexico had been shot about 20 miles from where I picked you up. I said, that was not me. There was some other... Some other guy. I know. News is saying the New Mexico patrolman killed the guy that shot him. Fingerprinted the dead guy. Swedish national. Wearing the uniform of a dead patrolman found in Texas. Swedish guy is some sort of notorious hacker. He was after that CIA computer weapon. 
News says it could be worth billions. News is saying every other country on earth wants that weapon. News says you have it. I thought about what I'd read on the Dark World forums. Rumors that spies and hackers were all flying to the U.S. to hunt for the cyber weapon. It was a game changer. Whoever controlled the weapon, nicknamed Sticks, would have more power than almost any other single person on Earth. I looked at Dan and realized he had one hand extended in front of him, palm up. In the other hand, he held an adorable little Beretta A21 Bobcat. He said, Go ahead, hand it over. I glanced around. Dan said, No one can see you, and no one would care if they could. No one gives a shit about a turd like you in the whole wide world. Dan rambled on about what a piece of shit I was for a bit, and I started thinking, what the fuck kind of can of worms had I opened? I mean, I was supposed to get hired on as security at Gateway Underground Secure Storage. Then during a planned outage and upgrade, I was to steal the SD card I stole and steal a few extra cards to confuse the cops. I was to drive to Charlotte, fly to Seattle, dead drop the card to Bossman 95, and be done with this stuff. Days ago. We'd cure Teresa, open source the drug and a vaccine, and go back to our normal lives. Instead, I felt like a bruised orange. I'd been chased down, locked up, handcuffed, freed, brought down to zero, pulled out and put back there. Had sex with the girl with the black hair. My point is, it was supposed to go down smoothly. At no point was I supposed to have a gun pointed at my forehead. But here I was. I said, Dan, what I stole is not a weapon. It's a cure for my sister. She had... A cure? Well, now, that sounds like something else people would pay big money for. Hand it over. I thought, if I could get up in his truck and get to my backpack, maybe I can grab it and go out the other door and run away. I said, all right, let me get it out of my backpack. It's up in the truck. You can turn it into police, get your stupid reward. Dan said, police? No way, man. I'm selling this motherfucker. Top bid. Iran, China, North Korea. Don't make no difference. I'm going to be rich, bitch. Never have to drive another mile. I said, Jesus, Dan, North Korea? Dan spat on the ground and said, don't make no difference. America will be fine. I said, Dan, listen, America will be fine. We agree there. But my sister, she's really sick. I need... Dan interrupted. He said, you need to walk, motherfucker, that way. He jabbed his gun toward the field. I tried to act disappointed, but inside I leapt for joy. It had worked. The SD card was in my wallet, not the backpack. I mean, dumbass Dan can have the other four cards full of illegal porn. Yeah, maybe I'll just call in a little tip to the police on Dan's behalf? I said, okay, I'm walking, I'm walking. I turned to leave and I admit I was a little concerned with Dan shooting me in the back. But the gun looked like it was already getting heavy in his hands, so his accuracy would probably suck. I was two steps, two steps away, on my way to ditching Dan, finding Jenny, and getting the hell out of there, when I heard a voice behind me. It's not in the backpack. Jenny? She was leaning out the window of Dan's truck. Jenny. She must have circled around. She said, I checked the backpack. It's not there. He must have it in his wallet. I thought, 
backstabbing traitor. Dan jabbed the gun toward me and said, Hand over the wallet or I will shoot you. I tossed him the wallet, then had an internal dialogue. It went like this. The devil on my right shoulder said, (laughs) You idiot. No wonder your sister's about to die. She is a worthless asshole for a brother. My shoulder angel said, Sean, just stay alive. If he shoots you, no one can help Teresa. You must stay in the game. The devil said, Sure, stay in the game. But, oh yeah, you suck at the game. You might as well get shot. Natural selection at its finest. I sat down. I am a loser. I mean, what have I done with my life? Nothing. No wife, no kids, no house, no legacy. I was kidding myself. All I wanted to do was help Teresa, but look how much of a mess I'd made from that. Not only was she going to die anyway, I'd thrown America into chaos in the process. The angel turned on the devil. She said, You know, if he dies, you cease to exist, right? My shoulder devil said, Oh, shit. The angel leaned down, put her arm around my neck, and whispered in my ear. She said, Hey, fuck that guy. The devil said, Are you allowed to cuss? Angel ignored him. She continued, You love your sister. That's success. Success is marked by the journey, not the destination. You are enough as you are. My shoulders slumped, sitting there right next to Dan's truck on the edge of the truck stop, blocked from view from the other truckers. I am enough as I am. I wasn't going to save Teresa, but I tried. But was that enough? I was tired. Was I giving up? I don't know. But I'm sure it looked that way because Jenny said, No, no, don't do this. Don't, no. I started to sob. Dan said, Is he crying? Oh, it's a man, baby. Shut up, Dan. Shut up. His sister is sick. She has COVID-19. Dan stumbled backwards. He said, Oh, shit. And I was in the truck with him for hours. Jenny said, Relax. He hasn't been around her for weeks. Dan said, Well, then, let's go. Get up, motherfucker. Walk, or I will shoot you. Jenny walked over to Dan. She said, Give me the gun. Go get the truck ready. Dan eyed her skeptically. Jenny said, Well, I'll do it, but I've never gassed up an 18-wheeler. Is that what you want? Dan stood still, the wheels turning. He nodded slowly, then faster. He said, Okay. He handed her the gun. Jenny took it and immediately turned on Dan. She said, Hand me the wallet. Oh, come on. Wallet. Dan handed it to her, seething. Jenny walked over to me, keeping the gun trained on Dan. She grabbed my left arm and helped me up. She handed me back my wallet and said, I'm sorry. I've been in contact with Bossman95 in the Dark World forums too. He's upset with me. I panicked. I looked at her and said, You've been in contact with Bossman95? She said, It's a long story. We can talk later, but right now, we need to go. We tied up Dan in a sleeper cab. He might still be there, actually. Eleven hours later, we talked it out and I'd slept it off. Jenny got us on another truck going east on I-70 to Denver, then another going north on I-25, and then two different trucks heading north and west on I-90. If we were being followed, hopefully it was enough to throw them off. Then we were in Billings, Montana, and there, on the sandstone cliffs overlooking the city and the Yellowstone River, we walked into the small town single terminal airport. On our way there, Jenny had used her phone to buy us tickets. 
I had a fake ID, billing to Seattle with barely a two-hour flight. If I got past the paltry security, we were home free. And before nightfall, I would finally get to see my sister. That's a wrap for this recording. There are some links in the show notes for you to check out. My website is hansanderson.com slash killswitch. You can show me some love by joining my Patreon. Check it out.